podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the Earth's number one Star Trek podcast that is also number one on Kronos. Yes, got there. Okay. <laughs> Did it. I'm nice. Matt. <laughs> I'm Andy. <laughs> uh, it's the start of season six, everyone. We got here. I don't know how, but we did. We've been through five 26 episode seasons of Star Trek. Yeah, they had a, quite a workload. I mean, you know, give or take. Uh, some episodes a little less, some episodes a little more. Uh, some seasons, rather. Well, no seasons were more than 26. You have to be very specific when you're doing a Star Trek podcast, Andy. I don't know if you've noticed that, because you will get emails. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Prime crackers uh, galore. trying to be very, very specific. There are 26 episodes in season six, in five, so uh, we got through it, and... Uh, I'm excited because season six has uh, one of my favorite all-time episodes. A couple of my favorite all-timers are in are, are in season six. Do you want to say what they are or save it for a later reveal? Uh, I can say the titles. Relics and um, Chain of Command, part one and two. Uh, uh-huh. Just a hoot, guys. Hoots. Great. I mean, define hoot. I mean, Relics is certainly a hoot, and Chain of Command is really good television. Mm. So, there you go. What's a hoot? Uh, a a rip roar in time, thoroughly enjoyable for Star Trek fans and me. Uh, a roller coaster, a uh, roller coaster of 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 emotion, joyful uh-huh. emotions. Oh wow, uh, still sound good. So that's uh, that. Oh Andy, uh, five, season five recap, real quick. What'd you think? Hmm, everything's. It was so many breaks and stuff went together. It's hard to encapsulate season five as as a whole in my head. Uh, I feel like uh, season you know, five starts with. Uh, here I'm looking at the list here. Unification. No. Season five. I don't even know. So what you got Redemption Part Two. So that's the Spock one, right? No, that's the Wharf one. Oh, that's the Wharf one, which I also loved. Yeah. Um, you got Darmok in there. You got Ensign Rowe. Ensign Rowe. So that takes up this whole season a whole way. Yeah. Uh, you got, uh, um, let's see, Hero Worship Violations, Masterpiece Society. None of them were that great, right? No. Cause and Effect, right? Yeah. One of the greatest great. ones ever. So, uh, I Borg, amazing. Yeah, just... I I don't know. What, like I guess my question is comparison to season four. Yeah. Do you feel like there was a huge step up, or is it just they're in their zone, and from this point forward, it's the same percentage? I think they're in their zone. It's funny because like you know some of the greatest episodes of of, of TNG are yet to come, and also uh, some of the worst are also yet to come. It's fascinating. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I think you know season five is certainly I think. Among the seasons of with the most rewatchable episodes, it's got to be in the top three. That seems reasonable. I mean, out of seven, so <laughs> it's in the top. It's in the upper half. <laughs> uh, so, are the last three seasons the upper half? No, season three is great. Four is great. Five is great. Seven's great. So it's like oh. what, the last four. You say six is the step down. 
No, I like six a lot. It's hard to quantify. All right, there are good episodes <laughs> spread throughout. Somebody uh, run a somebody run a poll. I mean, I'm sure that uh, somebody out there, our statistician, can probably get us the actual like what the average because the average for the season would be how many Andes we gave each episode, right? Right. So if you average that out, that would be the average for the season. Oh yeah. Good. Oh, smart. So that <laughs> would tell us a good use of Brad of the one through five <laughs> so far. What has been the best ep- uh, best season? <laughs> Let us know. That'd be very interesting. Uh, so, Andy, with that, I feel like we should head over to the Admirals Club. Why not? Oh, wait, you didn't do the... Uh, oh, God. Uh, what didn't I do? <laughs> the opinion of uh, what they should do with this episode. Oh, God, I forgot. I gave you a whole opinion about what you thought of. You're going to love our first Admirals Club. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? If you watched the last one, yes. <laughs> Otherwise, skip it. Um, and now, now we can right. finally let's uh, let me get back going to the, the Admirals Club beginning of that uh, here, so we don't miss a second of it. This is really this first Admirals Club in MIDI. This is gonna be really apropos. Uh, heartwarming show about friendship. Oh, sorry, oh man. Matt, how do they get into? Oh Admiral's my God! <laughs> I thought you were doing a really good read of this person's email or uh, admiral <laughs> review. No, I uh, try not to put too much a- acting into it because I, there seems to be already. You don't want to give it away for free because then <laughs> that's what it is. They won't go. I don't give to any way of my gems for free. Specific school of acting. Uh, if you're going to get it for free at a podcast. Uh, yeah, you go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. You can write whatever you want in there. As long as it's five stars, you'll become eligible to be admitted to the Admirals Club. So, Andy, first one is what? Heartwarming show about friendship by Eli Dodd. As a Star Trek podcast, Matt and Andy are extremely upfront that this is a mess. The episode format is way too complex. They randomly add new segments and frequently forget how their own show works. And many of their conversations are exclusively about when and where the sound cues should be played. (laughs) 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 Proved right immediately. Uh, There are tangents about moonlighting, improvised sketches of histrionic Captain Picard. Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, a segment about Frank Sinatra? Question <laughs> mark. And, uh, and many, many lame jokes and minutes of laughter at how not funny the joke was. But it's all great. I have genuinely never heard a show with such genuine and unfiltered banter between friends. These are dudes who cannot be anything except exactly what they are. And while that sounds like it would be tedious, the show is anything but. It's like a carnival carnival spinner. What obscure cultural reference did? Andy do you find in this episode where's troy this week what uh kind of insane rube goldbergian justification does matt have for tng's <laughs> constant plot inconsistencies oh my god what kind of food would andy like right now it's wild and silly and the great thing is that the worse the episode of tng the better the discussion becomes as the pair struggled uh, to make it make sense <laughs> the picard miniseries is both longer than and more satisfying than picard itself uh it's a whole lot of fun um uh, a favorite of mine Thank oh, you so much. That was a very genuine uh, review, and I appreciate it. Truly, someone who listens m- probably more than we talk. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the uh, last uh, Admirals Club admittee is uh, uh, from Carlos2121, who writes, five and a half stars. He gives Whoa. us the extra half. Better than a bag of bugs from Wrath of Khan. <laughs> That's it. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, that does it for the Admirals Club. 
And that was the Admiral's Club. Now we're going to head over to the United Federation of Planets President's Circle. Here we go. Oh, hello, everyone. Uh, you want to come in here? There's one way to do it. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC if you like this podcast. Oh, have we got many, many more hours for you. Uh, head over there. Support this podcast. Uh, continue to uh, just put out a bajillion episodes uh, by becoming a patron. President Circle members uh, get four podcasts every month additional to these freebies. So... So they will get uh, an episode of Voyager we talk about, an episode of Enterprise we talk about. We're going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk about a Marvel movie. Uh, and uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 we're currently going through. Presidents get all four of those. If you want to join at the lieutenant's level, uh, you can do that, and you will get yourself uh, Enterprise and Discovery. So hours of content, however you want to get it, Andy. Who is receiving the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which is awarded to uh, a message or two uh, from the uh, President's Circle every Our week. first Matt is uh, Lieutenant Jay Clark, who writes us, I love the claim, this is what we said in, uh, found out in the last episode, that there was a no-sequel rule. Professor Moriarty and the Crystalline Entity would like to have a word. Um, <laughs> those are those are those are sequels. They do come back. Uh, yeah. Crystal interview entity and and Moriarty. Moriarty's uh, back in the season six. We'll see him soon, I believe. Crystalline entity made its return. Really excited for that already. Uh, but the no sequel rule that was from Namachek's book, correct? That was uh, where that, that came sounds up. Sounds right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, I feel um, good about that. It wasn't me. Finally, I, I actually am not sure. Whatever the case. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant and our second Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee is Frederick Rombouts, uh, who writes us, uh, maybe I'm just using subpar headphones, but I heard exactly 0% difference in sound quality when Matt <laughs> turned on the air conditioning. Matt, activate air conditioning, maximum yield, full spread. I did want to say to everyone, thank you so much. A number of people wrote in to say uh, your air conditioning didn't really make an impact please leave it on. So it is on right now, and Andy verified that he has not too much of a problem hearing me with it on. So thank you for allowing me to have it on. I forgot that when I run post on this thing, I also throw the hum of impulse engines underneath it, so it probably sounds like nothing. My air conditioning probably sounds like more impulse engine. They also, just for the record, they were saying you should use your air conditioning independent of how much it affects everyone. But it sounds oh. like it doesn't. It's really, really a nice group of people. Oh, my God. I uh, sweat so much doing this show for the last how many months I've been sweating. <laughs> not air for nothing. You've been uh, sweating for nothing. Thank you, everyone. This feels like a genuine uh, gift you've given me. So it's uh, on. I'm go- short-sleeved. I'm having a great time right now. 
Now we can go into our priority one messages proper, which are our messages. If you po- if you're in the Patreon post yeah. on the uh, the posting that I, I put up at right after our show comes out, <laughs> you explain this special in a priority. very roundabout way every week. Do you do you want to take uh, the helm on that? <laughs> Let me just say it really. If you ever wanted to hail us, but you weren't sure they'd get through, the way to guarantee they will get through is to join the President Circle in Patreon, and those come into us as priority one messages. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Our first is from. That's right, I made a part of the <laughs> Is that noise always going to be at the end or that's separate? Because the hail sound should be later. Well, that's a separate. That's the incoming messages from Worf. Man. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? You're right. We should use this one. Captain, incoming message. Message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Because he doesn't say hail. And then we open the hail bag, we play Data's clip. Done. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Great. But you okay. should you don't need the wharf part of it. Did I like the wharf those? part of it. Oh, all right. Let's well, your call. Um I like to give Wharf a little love every now and then. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whatever you need, buddy. <laughs> um Lieutenant Jorgen Peterson. Um <laughs> I says I found an interesting connection while you two spoke of Mark Twain in the episode Jerry Hardin plays Samuel Clements in the episode Time's Arrow while later playing Deep Throat in the X-Files Hal Holbrook became quite famous for playing Mark Twain in a one man show and then later played Deep Throat in All the President's Men Whoa. Sadly, I yeah crazy huh <laughs> that, is, that is suspicious weird Sadly, I haven't found a connection between Val Kilmer and Deep Throat. <laughs> Love the podcast, and good luck with my name, Andy. Oh, I, I said could. Jorgen. I bet you it's Jorgen. I bet you that's where I screwed it up. But either way. Um, Lieutenant Column Hayes writes us, This episode is giving off strong modern-day Doctor Who vibes. Time travel. Check. Oh, Contemporary that's historic. true. I had thought this, too. Yeah. Contemporary historical figure who gets involved in the adventure. Check. Creepy aliens disguised as humans to save uh, on the budget of the show. Check. Wow. Data adopting the persona of an inventor, being referred to as an odd fellow and gaining a woman as a companion are all very Doctor Who-like things, too. There's even a mystery to solve about the aliens and their intentions. Oh, my God. He's so right. That just cracked this thing open for me in a way I hadn't expected. Yeah, I wonder if that's mentioned in any of the books. Whoa. What? Uh, or on Alpha. Uh, Lieutenant Eric Peoples writes us, So the aliens are conducting their excursions to the past from the future at the same exact point on the timeline that they find Data's head on Earth. Uh, they could have been conducting their experiments at any point in the history, entire history of the universe. The odds of them doing it in TNG's present are so astronomically high, it is practically impossible. Uh, is Star Trek making the case for predetermination, predeterminism? No, I think point. that Star Trek is making the case for the only the reason. Show. Look, no, the <laughs> only, well, yes, it has to be. That's how the plot has to work. But the only reason that the Enterprise gets called in and then investigates and then finds out that this is happening on Davidia Two is because of Data's head. So I would argue that that, in and of itself, negates the question of when this is happening. But that happened in the past and then and then existed for centuries yes and the only thing that happened in the present that uh alerted them was they happened to break through into that cave yeah but they had they had they had the year via the carbon dating 
Like, do you know what I mean? That part adds up that that's why they would go back to that time. What doesn't add but up... But what I'm saying is they just followed them through the portal, not knowing where it was going. It wasn't like they decided to slingshot around the sun like Captain Kirk and a Klingon warbird. Oh, right. So when they were in the cave and they sensed the aliens there, the aliens weren't in the same time as them. They were phasing in and out of time. They weren't in their time. Right. So they could have been anywhere in time. If well, they weren't that's... specific. I think his argument is, why were the aliens in the present the same time the Enterprise was in the present, but they weren't? They weren't, they weren't in their time stream. Right. They were, so, phased, yeah, okay. so they that's, were phasing out. In that's as, at least as I understand this hail. That is what the, uh, that's what I, the answer I, to that I, is. And I don't honestly know if that helped make any sense of it. The true answer is plot contrivance. So your... <laughs> it did to me just because I was also thinking like, oh, yeah, why did they they happen to go down? It seems like the aliens would have been doing that forever. But the aliens were on some kind of uh, whatever timeline where it could be sensed in that cave. So, oh, I see what you're saying. And I see what the email is saying. But it wouldn't. But it, here's why that here's why that here's why it can't have been happening forever. Okay because of the existence of Data's head in that tunnel. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> the existence of Data's head in that tunnel tells yes. you, right, that Lieutenant Commander Data must interact with these creatures at some point. Sure. In the past. He's yes. saying, why is the Enterprise... Why are the aliens in the Enterprise in the future, or in our present, uh there at the same time in that cave I think like the aliens are doing oh those their... are different caves I don't no I'm, no I'm, no I'm trying to read no, this in, question in the, you know when we see uh, the uh, <laughs> the snake in the dust buster snake in the dust buster yes <laughs> when we're seeing the snake in the dust buster in that cave in yes. the present cave yes I, th- I believe he's saying they're doing their friggin things there in the present? Yes, because they're deliberately traveling back in time. This is explained in this episode. because Crusher explains it. They're deliberately yeah. going back in time to this period because of the cholera epidemic. I understand why they're going back in the past to that time. What? I, and I could be misunderstanding. He could be saying, how come in the past? It's like, but I don't for think them, he is. For them, it's like running out to the store to get milk. Their store right, so, happens to be 1878 San Francisco. Right. And if I understand this correctly, I believe he's not making a point about the store. I believe he's making the point about, in your metaphor, home. He's saying home is the same timeline as the Enterprise. Or same point yes. in time as the Enterprise. It just ha- it happens why. to be. Like, they could have gone to that planet and investigated, and there is nothing. Like, they can't detect anything. And then the Enterprise moves on with its day and life. And then at some point, though, Data will eventually, let's say, Data never put down that, that investigation. And every uh-huh. 20 years or so, he would go check it out. And then in a thousand years, he decided, I'm going to go to Davidia 2, and then finally found them. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Data has, to, data has to come, Data has to end up back in time. So you're, you're arguing for predeterminism. You're saying it's, I'm it's already been... De- for this episode, it already happened. For this episode, be- yes. Star Trek's, Star Trek's timeline yeah. works very differently than, say, the MCU timeline bullshit. Right. Star Trek's timeline is... You were, it happened. It happened. it happened. You were always yeah. meant to do that. Right. So, like, you know, 
Kirk... It doesn't make a ton of sense because... Well, I guess it does in Star Trek Four. Like, for instance, like when when Scotty gives the guy the thing for transparent aluminum. Yeah. Maybe transparent aluminum was never invented unless Scotty did that. Right. Like, he had to close the loop. You know, he had to make... I mean, go watch City on the Edge of Forever. Right. Whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah, but... I don't I don't think so yeah okay I accept that that that's your answer to it I guess my counter theory uh, although you're right that is pretty that is the perspective of the Star Trek universe that's what data says in the episode yes. there's no way to round it I'm going yeah. to die yeah um, but uh, I guess my counter theory is are the aliens when they're in that cave with the snake and the dust buster yes in a sort of every time kind of situation parallel uh, time. possibly but from what i understood is like they were off they were just existing in a in off like by a millisecond like you know what i mean like they were existing in a phase of time that yeah wasn't it did perceptible. seem like that all right so there you go we've discussed it oh we have the answers God. as far we, as we did we <laughs> beat it into the ground i'm sorry everyone but that's what you get for priority one messaging us we will fucking break it apart <laughs> lieutenant adam where writes us uh andy matt i heard you lamenting the other day that we never get to see what happens in between episodes the tng crew must have had so many adventures that we never get to see times arrow reminded me that this is not the only time data traveled back in time to 19th century america most people don't know that data once went back even farther to 1803 this time instead of posing as a frenchman he posed as a man named william who alongside his partner merriweather led an expedition to cross the newly acquired western portion of the North American continent in the now famous Lewis and Clark expedition. And then he had uh, sent an image also, which I may post. The image um, is what? Uh, the, uh, a Clark alongside Data. <laughs> <laughs> so not like Brent Spiner playing Lewis. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I'm on board. Um... Uh, Lieutenant Seth J. Bordreau writes us, Only now, after literally saying it, uh, years of saying it wrong, <laughs> does Andy finally learn how to pronounce Deanna Troy. <laughs> finally, <laughs> the only thing that gave me an irritation tick during this podcast has been fixed. Secunda. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It, I'm why, so sorry. I don't know why everyone. it only was then that I was like, I got to do something about this. <laughs> Um, I don't think you do. I don't think you do it all the time, right? They I go think back you, and forth. You flip back and forth. Uh, okay, like my brain. So, Samuel Birdsis of's praises child <laughs> writes us. Also, uh, also, by the way, I know it wasn't that when I said that in Star Trek Four, Kirk takes a Klingon warbird. I know it was a bird of prey. I misspoke. I thought about not correcting it, but then I was like, I should correct it as soon as Andy said that. I was like, let me save an email. <laughs> well, it's not, that's not what this one's about, so you hit it off uh, possibly a future. No, no, I had to do it because that closes the timeline. Oh, I see. That saves someone <laughs> from... <laughs> no, it will always never have happened. Uh, does uh, A, does the 49er guy who's begging for money remind anyone of the old war vet from Valentine yeah. and R R2 Red Dead Redemption? Wait, so uh, you're saying the Valentine vet, not the he more reminds me of the uh, Rhodes vet, the Rhodes Civil War vet Yes, who, he reminds who me actually, of Civil War who vet Who actually too. gives advice to uh, 
to Arthur, not like the uh, Union Civil War vet that is isn't it, really a vet in Valentine. The one in Valentine is a little bit more confrontational, isn't he? Or no, he's a, well, it depends no. on if you pay him or not. I, 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 no. I gave him money every time, and I hugged him. Right. I, uh, yeah, I guess I remember that. So yeah. I must have done that, too. Um, and B, I'm in total agreement with Matt. I cannot bring my... Oh, this is all about Red Dead Redemption. I'm in total agreement with Matt. I cannot bring myself to make Arthur a bad guy in any of my playthroughs. And then C, uh, no one hears the AC. For the love of God, man, podcast in comfort. Thank you so much for allowing me to use the AC again. Thank you. And our last one is Lieutenant Chris Neal, last priority message, and then we have a hail. Uh, Chris O'Neill writes us, Matt's arguments on why Data would definitely win at poker weren't very convincing to me. However, I did some research, and it seems he's right. AI can win at poker, but as computers get smarter, who keeps tabs on their ethics? Um, I found this quote particularly relevant, creepy. Uh, However, before you take a bet, on AI, let's think about the next manifestation of these skills, adding sensors. The machine at the poker table would now be able to sense and remember pupil dilation mannerisms, the amount a player is sweating and other biological signs of stress, bluffing, to empower its decision-making. If we transfer the skill set into business, military, government, and diplomacy, AI, possibly embedded uh, in a robot, becomes an invaluable aid in negotiations to assess whether the negotiator on the other side has a strong or weak position. This would be bad if you were a small business owner negotiating with a larger company enabled by AI, but perhaps in childcare, it could help guide children away from lies and deceit. Sounds scary to me. It sounds like I every recent. I don't want any pro Star AI Trek emails on this <laughs> podcast, unless it's a it's a it's a program with uh, wonderful morals by uh, by Doctor uh, Nunian Zung. So thank you, everyone. Uh, uh, who for all we know that hail was written by an AI. Oh God, that's terrifying. Seems uh, very positive toward let's, AI. Let's uh, head out of the president's circle, Andy. Very good. And let's hit the hails. And we have a single hail. We have a single hail, and it is from uh, the. I don't know if I'd say the most loyal, but definitely uh, uh, our most consistent <laughs> presence on the podcast. Whether she's here or she's not, they hear, and that is Matt's mother, Mary. Yeah, she left a minute and ten long voicemail. I haven't heard yet. Let's go. Hey, Andy. Hi, Mary. Hi, son. It's Mom. Hi, Mom. I'm calling you guys on the inner light. Andy, in order to learn a little bit about time travel, you need to watch Outlander. Who ends up back in the 1700s? Obviously, her knowledge of medicine helps her. But remember, in the 1700s, no vaccine, no antibiotics. No, she had to treat the disease. She was vaccinated, so she wouldn't catch smallpox, diphtheria, typhoid, etc. And she only had material that was available to her at that time. Same with Picard. When he's in that, on that planet a thousand years in the past, he's not going to be able to build a starship, Andy. He hasn't got the materials. Whatever that <laughs> ship is made out of, Matt, you know. <laughs> he can't find it then. So therefore, he only has what he has to work with to make certain things. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. And um, I enjoy your podcast, guys. <laughs> Keep it up. And hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon. Take uh, care. Thank you, Mom. Bye-bye. That is, uh, that is Mary Myra, you, registered Myra. nurse for many years. 
uh, obviously way on board Outlander, which I believe is middle-aged lady porn. So, uh, way to go, Mom. Uh, I've heard many good things about it. Written by... Uh Ron Moore, created by Ron, Ron Moore. Moore. Uh, so the uh, it's it's, an ad, it's adapted though, right? Isn't it adapted from yes, a series a, of books? Um, yes, I, I I I sort of agree with my mother, but it's some you know, look, I think uh, <laughs> that was not the point of the argument, Mom. The point of the argument was <laughs> whether or not Picard knew how to make raw materials. <laughs> <laughs> and build whatever the fuck Andy wanted him to build. I don't know. I will say in this episode, doesn't he sort of mess with... This episode, with, it's like, what with, the fuck? How does he know how to put a binary message in Data's circuitry? Well, that's why I'm like, that seems like he could pretty much handle himself, uh, you know, engineering But then, by the way, I mean, this is like, we should have saved this for later in the show, but uh, I fixed it in my head. What'd you say? Uh, should I? I'll, I'll save it. I'll save sure. that part oh, for later. A hidden, hidden but I, I fixed but it I, later I, in the show. I fixed it later in the show. So uh, if you would like to send a hail, uh, you can either sign up for Patreon and uh, sign on our Priority One messages, uh, or you can send it to sdtncpod at gmail dot com. You can uh, also send a voice hail to eight one six trek tnc. And if you're um, international, you can send us a voice memo. You can email us a voice memo and not have to pay the international dialing. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, there you go. That's hailing frequencies are now closed, sir. Where's that one? I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just okay, staring yeah. at the board, Andy. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> It's not over there. Quarant- it's not over quarantine there. Quarantine is melting our brains. It's not folks. over our there. Apologies. It's not over there. <laughs> That's Andy's theories. That's uh, inside baseball. Oh, found it. Frequencies closed, sir. We we barely knew you. And that means it's time to talk about this week's episode. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your humble abode. Let's talk about this week's episode. It's funny, looking at all the hail, um, looking at the waveforms for all of our jingles, Yeah, you can absolutely tell who knows how to use computer audio and who doesn't. And uh, Nacho, great job. <laughs> Just uh, it's just it's just more even, more yeah. It's normal. a more even, you yeah. know. Who knows how to compress a file and make everything very uh, even? Uh, gotcha. Now that that's out of the way, it is time to talk about this episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, Times Arrow Part Two, which aired September the week of September twenty first, nineteen ninety two. Andy, what was happening? The number one song in the U.S. End of the Road by Boys to Men. So beautiful. The number one movie was Sneakers, the number one song in the UK. Sneakers. Yeah. Ebenezer, Good by The Shaman. Uh, Number one book, Where is Joe Merchant by Jimmy Buffett. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, sound, it sounds like it's narrative. Did he get into detective novel writing at some point? It's probably a children's book. 
<laughs> the number one TV show that week was Roseanne. Hope you enjoyed it in that decade. Uh, births that week, Sam Lerner from the Goldbergs. Um, events. <laughs> Sci-Fi Channel launches. Uh, filming wraps for the pilot of Deep Space Nine that will premiere in January. Wow. All right. So, Andy, it's now time for us to figure out what was happening with the chairman of the board that week with everybody's favorite segment, and I would argue probably <laughs> in podcasting the most incongruent segment there is. <laughs> question mark? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> it's Frank Sinatra, come on. Frank Sinatra, come on. Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, come on. In other words. All right, Andy, what was Old Blue Eyes up to that week? I'll tell you, Matt, this week the New York Times published a story about a teacher in a Chicago high school who ran the Frank Sinatra Detention Club. <laughs> During his 30-minute after-school detention, students were not allowed to talk, write, or do homework. They had to sit and listen to Sinatra tapes. <laughs> the teacher said that students were allowed to sing along if they like, but that so far no one had done so. He said, he said I love it. The students hate it. <laughs> love switching it up. <laughs> uh, did, did Brent Spiner... I feel I can't believe he didn't cover this on his old Yellow Eyes album. That's crazy to me. Were they all Sinatra on that song? Uh, No, but like, even if you're gonna be, if you're gonna do a play on Sinatra, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why Why wouldn't you do that song? I don't know. Maybe it's not one of his favorites. Did he do My Way? It's a 34-minute track here, and this is, uh, he does Time After Time, The Very Thought of You, More Than You Know, Toot Toot Tootsie, Embraceable (laughs) You, It's a Sin to Tell a Lie, Long Long Time, Carolina in the Morning, Marie, Zing Went the Strings of My Heart, When I Fall in Love, and Good Night, Sweetheart. Huh. So, there you go. Those are his favorites, I guess. What are you going to do? I wish that he... uh, I really wish he had covered Sinatra. (laughs) Really would be very convenient for this podcast. Uh, He must have done it somewhere, I bet you. He... Let's see. uh, uh, Da-da-da-da-da... Hmm. Well, uh, I can't. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, interesting backup vocals uh, by the Sunspots. The Sunspots being Lavar Burton, Michael Doran, Jonathan Frakes, and Patrick Stewart. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Uh, anyway, let's uh, talk about the episode by reading uh, this description of it from Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek: The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. This is uh, available on Kindle. That's where I got mine. Here we go. This is uh, directed by Les Landau, teleplay by Jerry Taylor, story by Joe Minoski. 
Having traveled back to 1890 San Francisco, Picard and his senior officers go native to retrieve data and stave off his apparent destruction while probing the real reason that the energy-consuming aliens found on Davidia 2 are coming to Earth of that time. Uh, when the two find... When they find two of the aliens in disguise, sapping the energy from a dying cholera victim in the infirmary, Dr. Crusher snatches their time vortex cane. After a group fracas, uh, they find Data. Meanwhile, the curious Samuel Clemens, convinced that Guinan and the stranded Data are themselves an alien threat, follow the Starfleet group to the cave where Data's head will be found in the future. The crew realizes that the cave is the time travel focusing device. But when the two aliens surprise them and grab back the cane, the resulting blast of the time door opening decapitates Data. Picard seems trapped when he is alone and doesn't make it back through the 24th century window, but he keys a crude message into Data's head that he hopes will be found later. Uh, Once reconnected, Data's old head recites Picard's message that the door is opened, uh, and the door is open, but far enough for just one. A reassured Clements volunteers to go back to uh, so Picard can return, and with all as it was, the alien doorway is destroyed, leaving no clue uh, to their true motives. What? It was to suck out the the neural energy. I thought. Yeah, I don't understand that sentence, Larry. <laughs> 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 okay. You must, have, you must have gotten sleepy before the end of that, <laughs> of that episode. Got, uh, no one. No, I just, I, I just, I just, <laughs> six seasons. Uh, it. Star Trek fans aren't going to nitpick this. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> it's fine. Who's really going to be reading every single one of my? <laughs> they've all seen these. Who's oh. going to read every single one of my synopses? Me will. <laughs> all right. Let's jump in. Let's see what uh, good old Samuel Clements has been up to. Connecticut Yankee, Mr. Twain. Name is Clemens, boy. Sam Clemens. That's with an E. With an E. Mm. Got it. So, my first question is, didn't we end the last episode where he had overheard them in a an alley? Yeah. It's a lot of lot of ground that uh, eaves, they skipped eaves, over eaves there. Eavesdropping, you know? Yeah. Terrible. And then they're it. like, suddenly the next thing is this, and... There doesn't seem to be that much discussion with the with Data or, or Guinan, like, what they have to do. Right. Yeah, we sort of pick up with uh, Clemens uh, having have figured it all out, in a yeah. way, but getting it pretty wrong. Uh, wrong bad guys. And uh, I guess now we just deal with the fact that the... Uh, I don't know. The... I don't know what, what the ramifications. 
I guess their real, it feels like the real villain in this two-parter is Mark Twain. He kind of does. <laughs> Somehow he's overshadowed the uh, the aliens trying to suck out people's neural energy and killing them. Uh, um, I, I also, side, side issue, curious uh, if Connecticut, uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court yeah. um, is... If the if the thematic subtext to that is technology is the enemy, uh, that that appears, wasn't. I mean, I guess it's probably it, because I only know like some it appears you know, Danny that Kay Man- version is huh. It, it appears that Joe Manoski and Jerry Taylor are, are supposing that. Yes. Yeah, I guess they. I'm sure they. I'm sure they know, but uh, it's uh, it's interesting because I would have thought it would have been a lighthearted romp where he goes back to the past and in a hilarious way he uses the uh, the technology of the present. You really are into this whole go back in time and invent things. <laughs> you really are. You're you're like the fucking uh, you know Max Hedrum there, Matt. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Matt Frewer. Matt Frewer. You're like the Matt Frewer of our time. He came from the he came from the past to invent things in the future. No, he came from the past the to future, steal right? stuff, which is what right. Andy apparently would do with a time machine. I don't, uh, I, well, yeah, I guess if I could go to the past. The only problem is that if I was in any of those Picard situations, I would be the most useless person ever. I would never be able to put anything together. <laughs> I mean, you could take, you have a time machine, so you have plenty of time to study. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've had time to study already. It hasn't really worked out. It's strange. What is it? The cerebellum, cerebral cortex, the brain stem. It feels like they just borrowed the all of these costumes from Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's okay. And I have no doubt oh, that God. is too foul. I am having what, a problem. What'd you do? You left. Was, Come back. I lost the link, and so I was trying to link up again. Click on the link. It's in the chat. Okay. You're back. No, you're not back yet. Guys, Andy keeps leaving this Netflix party that I'm trying to have with you all. Okay. You're back? Uh, you are. I'm okay, back, here we go. I put you in the past. Taken to the video, too, for those aliens to ingest. If you were a time traveler with a taste for human neural energy, where would you get your supply? 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Plagues and epidemics. So I could murder and use the disease as a cover. So crazy watching everything through the COVID lens. Uh, I mean, also they could have gone to like Egyptian Black times. Plague times. Yeah. Maybe they just needed the they needed a time when uh, bags and canes were in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we got this snake cane. It's only going to work in so many places. <laughs> we got we to really narrow this field down. <laughs> we look like a couple of jackasses in. Uh, that would have worked in Egypt times. By the way, I find it crazy that they haven't been able. I don't know how long they've been there. Like it seems yeah. like they've been there for a, a week or so, maybe. Yeah. And they still haven't found data. It seems wild to me that they couldn't track down data. It's true. Yeah. Over half of the victims whose neural energy has been drained came from the Sisters of Hope Infirmary. The charity hospital near the waterfront. If the aliens have been killing people there, well, someone might have noticed something unusual. And if they're moving among humans and they must have taken on human form, the question is... Love how Picard's do we know? outfit. 
Oh, come on. He is just not only I've never seen someone look so at home in a in a rocking chair. Yeah. He really is going to town in that rocking chair too. He's like really using it. <laughs> he really is. And the outfit makes him look so manly and from most of the bodies we've heroic. I mean, I love that they decided to do everybody's hair. I kind of like, love everybody's outfit. I love Beverly's outfit. I love Riker's outfit. He's like, the constable. It's funny. It makes sense <laughs> the to me. The hair. Yeah, it's really, it's really great. And I love Jordy's specs the most of all. At first, I was like, "What? They're just going to leave him in the visor?" And then he puts on the specs. It's so right. good. You know, we might even be able to rig some kind of alien alarm system. Any luck contacting data? None. Tricorder's broadcasting random emissions on all frequencies and subprocessors might pick up, but the range is limited. Almost anything could interfere. I don't think the range is limited on that, because the Tricorder is designed <laughs> to be able to ping the ship's computer. Uh, so I feel like the range is pretty good. Data's not that far away from you. Yeah, but isn't he... That wouldn't work in the past? No, no, but, like, it's it can hit a signal as far as the Enterprise. Oh, I see. Gotcha. When you're on a planet. So gotcha. I feel like it could probably probably hit data <laughs> two blocks away. I'm just gotcha. saying. <laughs> oh, my favorite character in the history of Star Trek, Mrs. Carmichael. So yes, crazy. Mrs. Carmichael. <laughs> Mr. Pickard, I'll be reminding you that it's one o'clock. Yes. One o'clock on a Thursday. I'm sure I made it clear to you that the rent is always due, payable in full, by one o'clock on Wednesdays. Ah, yes. Um, the rent. Uh, Mrs. Carmichael, even now, my, uh, my troupe are in rehearsals for a new production. Oh, I haven't heard of any new production. Mrs. Carmichael has her ear to the ground uh, for new productions coming into San Francisco, apparently. (laughs) Oh, great. The landscapers are here with their loud gas engines. Hopefully the... uh, If only uh, they were electric. engines cover this, but I don't think they will. Uh, Coming on the street... Really hung on that reaction for a while. Uh, what do you think about the the supposition that uh, this is Jack London? Uh, sure, why yeah. not? Why, whatever. Uh, so, uh, what do you think? It's a real long scene where he's trying to convince Jack about London to write. Oh they my must, god! That's why I assume that I'm. You know, they they completely know what they're talking about with Twain because I assume that these the the people who wrote this are obsessed with these people. Because they're spending so much story time on them. I mean, if you really think about it, nothing really happens in this episode. Let's see. Because we've now gone through uh, three full scenes. Yeah. Where there's nothing new. Three At full the end, they... Three full scenes where they're still looking for data. Yeah. Sam Clements is on to them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they haven't found data. Right. I mean, I guess they have discovered that the aliens are going back to suck the energy out of people, but we knew that because they had a dustbuster. That story. Right. <laughs> you and me. Literary partners, of course. Young man, 
I have a maxim that I have always lived by. No one is more qualified to write your story than you are. Uh, me? Be a writer? You think I could do that? As long as you write about what you know, you got any passions, boy? Any dreams? Well, I'd like to do some traveling. Maybe go to sea. And Alaska. I've had the strangest notion to go see Alaska. That's a great idea, son. That's exactly what I would do if I were your age. Ha. Alaska, the Klondike, the Aurora Borealis. That's it. Follow your dreams and write about them. Thank you, Mr. Clements. You know, that is exactly what I'm going to do. You do that, son. You'll see my name in print, too. Okay, so that was another long scene where we've got almost nothing that happens. I guess we have to get Clements in the room somehow. So that data He's can working confront with the them. Thing. So it's real loud on my side, but I don't know if I'm listening to the same thing they're listening to. You're not, but it is like okay. right by the microphone on your end, and it's uh, horrible, and I apologize. I typically it's don't like to do podcasts at this time on Thursdays because I know that the uh, landscapers come, but we are we're crunched as long on as they schedules. Can hear you, uh, it's fine with me. Yeah, they can hear me, Andy, I hope. Good God. How? With permission to dig the mine shaft. Oh, no. Data. I, I've done everything. I have full confidence in your persuasive abilities. I suppose it's more interesting than This looks very grainy. It's very what? Grainy. Like film stock wise. You think they shot it in a different tone I, I, in the I, past? I, I feel like they did because it's much grainier than the show ever is. I mean, maybe it's. I mean, it's such an a, an impressive. Uh, I don't I don't know whether these details are, are historically accurate, but it really is clearly there's there's such a clear, detailed decision process about everything in this episode. It's really wonderful. I mean, sure. production design wise, I don't know if story wise, I agree. <laughs> yes, he's been driving me crazy. He watches the house. He follows me down the street, asking me questions. If anyone took this, you can believe it was him. If you were correct, he must be warned. I don't know why they would have been worried about this before. Worried about what before? About uh, Clements knowing. This is like the first moment that they're like, oh, it probably was that guy who knows that we're from space. (laughs) Yeah, but like, I mean, think about it. Like uh, a a, a storyteller by nature, Uh you take the chance that no one's going to believe that this is real. I guess that kind of is what happens. So. Yeah, All right. and also like, uh, what, what, what do you do? You can't exactly take out Mark Twain, you kind of ruin the timeline. <laughs> it would have been great if that's like that's where Data ended up. He was Data. he became Mark Twain in the past to replace the Mark Twain they killed. <laughs> the way that prolonged contact with human tissue would be highly toxic. Way to go, captioners who characterize that as a sheepish grunt. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting pair you are. Where in Switzerland did you say you were from, Mr. Data? I am French, sir, not Swiss. Oh, yes, that's right. Now I remember a Frenchman hmm, with a talent for poker, from what I hear. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, Chess Whitley. He says to say hello and wonders when you're coming back. I do not believe I know a Mr. Whitley. 
No. He works in the county assayer's office. He says you've been in there a number of times, claiming to be a geological engineer and wanting information about mining operations during the 1850s. Suck it, Data. Outfoxed by Mark Twain. <laughs> uh, okay. You've been twained. <laughs> you got twained. <laughs> well, that takes care of this war. Time to be moving on. Earthquakes. Nurse, if you can handle things here, I've got a meeting with the Board of Patrons. I'll try to manage. <laughs> She's like, bitch, I ran Starfleet Medical for a year. I can handle this <laughs> stupid ward. <laughs> there, by that bed, I can see an afterimage of trionic waves. They've been here recently, I'd say, within the last 24 hours. That's the bed where the man died last night. This I feel like they uh, they went they they decided to go with uh, Deanna dressing up in like an Eliza Doolittle outfit. That uh, I don't know if that uh, does that fit the <laughs> the, the uh, period. Well, yeah, that's what that's what uh, Crusher was wearing in the last scene. No, that's true. Seems to be what these well-to-do ladies, uh, socialites of San Francisco, tend to do. Strange doctor and nurse who visited that patient. Perhaps they're still in the hospital. Do you think she can't, Troy can't sense the aliens because she's overwhelmed by the pain and suffering in the hospital? Could be. Good point. Uh, okay, I did it. <laughs> Do you need any help, Doctor? He really gets that snake cane ready to go. Ready to go clobber it. <laughs> sure. Dr. Apollonia nice felt snake. he had entered the algid state. He was cyanotic. Pulse unobservable. Don't draw attention to it, Beverly. <laughs> the snake will come alive. Doctor! Why do they come running in like that? I guess she put she 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 hit a signal. Oh with yes, her yes, for, she hit the their combat. Yeah. Um I That's love that Jordy's the one that takes him out. Well, he's you the closest. I know, but you never see Jordy in the action like that. Oh, you kidding me? That guy loves rolling under engineering doors all the time. Oh. His his dream. I feel like Jordy LaForge, not Lavar Burton, but Jordy LaForge's dream is to be Indiana Jones. Jo- oh, Jordy LaForge's dream. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he goes into the fucking holodeck all the time and is recreating yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I would I would love to see that episode. I hope there's some variation of it. <laughs> Except he has robots as all of his companions. I was just assigned here this morning. I was working. Robot Sala. I worked downtown. Robot Marion. I don't remember you. We'll be on our way. No, wait, wait. I'm going to ask you all to come down to the station for questioning, including you. Where'd you get that? That's a gentleman's cane. I've never seen a cane like this. <laughs> People love the snake cane. <laughs> what? The, People love it. It is an insane... It's insane. It's an insane line of dialogue. <laughs> And I can, I guarantee you, I can tell you how that happened. They're fucking sitting there breaking. The, they're like, okay, someone has to notice the cane. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. How does he get the cane? Um, 
Well, what if he just says, that's an interesting cane? Really? You want to do that? Well, let's leave it in for now. <laughs> <laughs> and then and it, it was... never got touched. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, good timing, uh, Data uh, swings by at the right time. Just we postpone our greetings for another occasion. Agreed. Get us out of here. The old timey whistles. I love how clearly that isn't Data. That is the worst, <laughs> the worst stunt double of all all of Star Trek history. Maybe they were like, "Yeah, the film grain will probably take care of it. We don't have to worry about it." That like matches Tashigara's wrestling match in season one. <laughs> oh, they figure out how to bring the snake head alive, but there's still no like. I don't understand the snake. Like, is the snake like the leader of the people of the of the aliens? Does doesn't the snake kind of suck the neural energy out? Yes, but like, is that a specific species that is just an energy sucker? I think it's primarily a cane that happens to have the secondary <laughs> do <you> think, <laughs> option. Do you think Penguin has an umbrella just like that? Getting your neural energy. More of an Edward G. Robinson than a You gotta go more, more Cockney. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 he wasn't. Burgess Meredith didn't do Cockney. You're thinking of uh, Arkham Knight. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the Arkham. I'm thinking of the animated series and Arkham. Oh, is he Pot Cockney in the animated yeah. series? I don't remember that. Yeah. Alec waves. Like the ones in the cavern where Data's head was found. I have located that cavern. Mr. Picker! Everybody's favorite scene to do of the week. Right here. Here we go. Side note, before we go into it, uh, I... Uh, I went back into Arkham Knight when we were talking about Arkham Knight, so uh-huh. I'm, I'm mo- moving to try and finish it now. <laughs> you know, it's funny, is I tried to play it this morning, and oh, interesting. my copy, for some reason, like, I downloaded it from the PlayStation Store, and my copy is, like, they're saying, like, I don't have the license or something, huh. which is extra annoying because I have a hard copy of the game also, but I know that that hard copy disc is messed up. It's very annoying to me, Andy. And I'm like, do I, do I spend another $20 on this fucking game again? If I give you mine, I bought it. Can you play it? Uh, I decided to go back and play the Arkham City uh, remaster, so I'm playing that now. Anyway, that was your Batman minute, and (laughs) back in on Star Trek. uh, This episode, everyone's pretending they're actors. Bring there, open the door, Mrs. Carmichael. Come now, spirit. Whither wander you? Over hill, over dale, thorough bush, thorough briar, over... Mrs. Carmichael, thank goodness you're here. We need someone to read a part. You're just in time. Mr. Picard, I need to be talking to you. And here my mistress would that he be gone. Ill met by moonlight. Proud Titania. Now, Mrs. Carmichael, right there. Ill met by moonlight. Proud Titania. Funny visual joke there. Where she, Deanna Troy, takes the book from Geordie and puts it the right side up. Because he grabbed it when he was without a visor. Tanya. That was very. That was very. Hear no evil, see no evil. Like it was. It was very like Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor. It's a very strange joke. What jealous Oberon? Fairies skip hence. I have. Forsworn is dead. <laughs> I love that Riker doesn't know what Picard is doing. <laughs> like, he's playing it, he's playing it like, uh, 
<laughs> oh, really? See, the way I'm... I interpret that is it's almost like, first of all, I think this is a hilarious scene on the basis of that it's Captain Picard pretending to be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> right, right. There's a runner or someone who's running a, a theater company and cares about Shakespeare. Um, but uh, I almost feel like he's he knows, he's re- hearing her and he's like, now what I have to do is pretend that she's doing a good job. And I literally don't know how to do that. <laughs> and I feel like Riker's looking at her like, I don't know how you do that. Is, <laughs> this lady is the worst. Well, I don't think I need to hear any more. That was truly unique. And he doesn't lie. He said it's nope. right. It's unique. He's right. Yeah. It's a fair. Ladies and gentlemen, fair evaluation. I think we have found our Titania. Don't you agree? <laughs> I, I did do a, a church play when I was a lass. Well, there you are. We start rehearsals tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> I, by the way, I love so much that as Picard is is nearly the portal is closing nearly he's out of time he makes sure that the bill at Mrs. Carmichael's gets settled <laughs> oh I don't remember that that's it's, so nice it's really it's delightful to me <laughs> it's interesting he gave her his real name do I know you? well there are, there are Pickards in the, in the you know the chateau is uh, pumping sure not yet you will. Thanks for your help, officer. Now, be sure to put in the part about me spotting that phony policeman. Yes, sir, I will. Hello, son. Mr. Clemens, what brings you here? Well, right of curiosity. I, I heard that two people vanished into thin air in this infirmary. One of the patients said that, yes, sir, but the police deny it. Mm, I bet they do. They say a band of outlaws set off an explosion in the hospital and then escaped. What did these outlaws look like? The carriage they escaped in was driven by an albino. Oh, Mr. Dean. You know him? Oh, you bet I do. You say there were others with him? Yes, uh, at least a dozen. Ah. His accomplices. They've come from the future. My God, it's an invasion. <laughs> so silly. It's silly and like not. I don't know. It's not. Uh, it's not unenjoyable. It's like it's it's silly enough without being. Do you feel like the goal is terrible. almost like like Star Trek four ish? Yeah, like that's what they're going for. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy it, I guess. It's it kind of needs more of that energy though. This is all sort of slow little drawing room scenes. It's almost like they wrote it in the style of the period, which I yes. guess I respect. Uh oh, and then so they find the cave and then uh, guess who tries to shoot them all to death? <laughs> I will regretfully waive that opportunity for the privilege of taking you all into the authorities. Mr. Clements. It is imperative that we continue our mission. Mr. Data, I have listened to your stories and your excuses and your evasions, and I will listen no longer. It is my moral duty to protect mankind from whatever devious plan you have in mind. Now, move along. I suspect that even time... I mean, I don't know why Picard's like, step aside Data, even though Data could disarm him in a 
millisecond. Yeah, that was that was strange. I assume that they were just going to try and reason with him because he's from the past, so they want to try and get out of it night neatly. Yeah. I made a young fellow a promise, and I don't want to be late. My snake cave. Oh. <laughs> I need a snake. <laughs> he's our leader. <laughs> Whoa, and then Data's head blows off. Um, so I guess the snake cane belongs to who... Oh, oh, does the snake cane then blow his head off there? Well, the, whatever. I mean, according to Larry Nemechek, it's the time portal opening that... Oh, I mean, I Data's got a lot of electricity pump, pumping through him. I don't know why his head would be set to burst off like that. That that gotcha. Noonien Sung, always, uh, always the uh, creative inventor. I'm going to build it so that the head pops off if there's too much temporal energy in now, the body. Now, I, I, Lore's <laughs> head didn't pop off. You see, uh, this is the improved version where I, the head uh, pops right off. I, sh- I, sh- I said I'll, fi- I'll fix it in the next one. <laughs> Turn, turned into Sean Connery for a second. <laughs> uh, okay, so they all end up think, through uh, there. Of all the Nunian Singh... Uh, song uh, impressions in the world. I'm sure that was in the top 20. (laughs) (laughs) And when? This is the 24th century. We're on Davidia 2, and you're not supposed to be here. Well, it seems to me I have as much right to be in your time as you had to be in mine. I wanted to see how you conducted my future affairs. Your future affairs? The affairs of mankind. For the disappearance of Mark Twain, one of the most noted literary figures of the 19th century. Thank you. That's not supposed to happen. I only took advantage of an irresistible opportunity, as any good writer would. Rich to away team. Acknowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I love how they're just like, well, he's got us there. Any writer would do that. I'll tell you who wouldn't do it. Me. I'm not hopping through a portal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're here, Mr. Ward. You wouldn't want to see? Stand by to transport five. Commander. Make that five and eight tenths. It's an interesting question. How heavy is Data? I guess he's carryable, huh? Data's very heavy. But he, yeah. I mean, he is carryable. People do carry him. Yeah. I don't know. The end. <laughs> Maybe all the weights <laughs> in the head. Who knows? Yes, Commander. Yeah. Make that six to transport. What do you think of Mark Twain's transporter reaction? This <laughs> 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 is reasonable. It's very specific acting. Now, if you were Mark Twain, okay, and you were being beamed up to the Enterprise, how might Mr. you Mr. Harden, we need you down on set. We really got to shoot this scene. <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> How do you think Mark Twain would react to being beamed? Vincent, <laughs> call security. He'd probably call it an infernal contraption. Escort for this man. Security? What for? Are you afraid I'm going to go around stealing things? Werewolf. That's my favorite part. <laughs> a werewolf. That is perfect. That's of all the Twainisms in the episode, it's perfect. He would see Worf and think he was a werewolf. Oh my god. It's a long story, Mr. Worf. I'll brief you later. Okay. <laughs> the chief of security, brief me now. <laughs> to the science lab. I'm gonna try and reattach the head we have. Jordy, that head is over five hundred years old. Yeah, but it's the best chance we've got. 
I want Mr. Clemens kept under escort at all times. Commander, perhaps I could handle that. I'd be happy to take Mr. Clemens to his quarters. Good idea. Would you accompany the counselor? Madam, I'd be delighted. So, this is a spaceship. <laughs> you ever run into Haley's Comet? <laughs> Classic Twain. He loves Haley's Comet. He was born when it appeared and he died when it came back. That's the that's the Sam Clemens Haley Comet connection. Anything yeah. to happen to you. Uh, I guess I'll ask you. Da- da- I almost called you Data. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, Data. <laughs> data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What'd you think of the Gein and Picard uh, sort of meeting? I really like it. I really. I, I forget. And I don't remember. I remember if you say it's a spoiler or not. They do tell us more. You don't have to tell me what they tell us, but they tell us more about their relationship in the future. Uh, I mean, you see, you see it. Generation. Yeah, I don't think you ever get a satisfactory background, really. Because I feel like it's so rich. It, I, that's what I like about it. Is like I don't mind someone leaning into it and creating, if you will, a mini mystery box. Like that's great as long as you sort of delve into it. But I, I love the implication in their, in their relationship. It just seems like it's so intense, and I almost, I almost wonder if it, are they implying that there's a romantic engagement, or you think it's not? Oh, don't they say it goes beyond love? I mean, it's like, uh, I yeah. don't know. It's like, like a some... dead, I mean, it's like, maybe it's like an Elorian dead of life kind of thing, like Chewbacca and uh, Harrison, F- Harrison Ford. Chewbacca is a real person. Harrison Ford plays <laughs> Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really funny. It's a really funny sketch on Kimmel that was uh, Harrison Ford was a guest and then Chewbacca's there. And, and Harrison Ford, for undisclosed reasons, is incredibly pissed off at Chewbacca for some past <laughs> situation. <laughs> That's funny. It's really funny. You're far too important to me. You know an awful lot about me. Believe me, in the future, the tables will be turned. Do we become friends? Oh, it goes far beyond friendship. Oh, but I have to wait 500 years. Mm-hmm. And when we meet, I won't even be able to tell you about this one. No. Because for me, none of this will have happened yet. Mm. Oh. All right. So, then, in the future... Do you think it's like like it's Sarek kind of Picard thing? Like some kind of mind-meldish sort of a... What does beyond friendship mean? Uh, Maybe they host a podcast together. Oh, in the yeah. future, you know? <laughs> that, is, that is beyond friendship. <laughs> I agree. It's not quite marriage, but it's not. It's if definitely more than friendship. Exactly. <laughs> happened in that cavern. It might affect any decision you'd make now. It's amazing. I can't do that. I won't. I wish one of us was a woman so we could do a Picard Guinan sketch, <laughs> podcast sketch. Decision. Can you think of that? We're talking about Jean-Luc Picard. I can't sit around and hope it all works out. I've got to do something. He really hammers the French accent there. By the way, yeah. first person first person to wish me a happy Father's Day on Father's Day, Jonathan what? Briggs. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> so nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, here was my thought about this. Uh, Riker was pissed off 
for weird reasons. I mean, I guess he was pissed off because the because Data was supposedly going to die, but uh, it wasn't immediate at the beginning. Yeah. Then he gets off the Enterprise, and then he's fine. Then he gets back on the Enterprise, and he's again <laughs> super pissed off. You need to wonder if maybe the Enterprise makes Riker pissed off. There's maybe, something in the air. Maybe he needs to get a little more short leave. Could be. He needs to head back to Riza. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he was like, Guy, and you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I barely work here. <laughs> If you must have one, I'm sure we can replicate it for you. Oh, if you think that one of these uh, imitations can take the place of a hand-wrapped Havana? Oh, oh. I wouldn't know. Well, that's the problem I see here. All this technology only serves to take away life's simple pleasures. You, you don't even let a man open the door for a lady. They do at Starfleet Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they make you. Everyone has to open the door for everyone because we still have door handles in San Francisco. <laughs> All the door handles in San Francisco are historical artifacts and protected. I wonder if Mark Twain went back and influenced that in the future. <laughs> My last wish is that there'll be no door handles, no automatic doors when they invent them, even here. Just keep it in San Francisco. Especially here. I gotta go. Is anything that might have been wrong? That's how he dies. I gotta go. Stop. <laughs> well, I'm not so him. Have you ever seen the video footage? Like, there's film of Mark Twain. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, because he, uh, you know, Edison invented the film camera, and uh, there is some film of Mark Twain. It's fascinating to see him. Wow. Does move. he look like every caricature? Yes. Huh. Impressed with this future, the huge starships and weapons that can no doubt destroy entire cities and military conquest as a way of life? Is that what you see here? Well, I know what you say, that this is a vessel of exploration and that your mission is to discover new Boolean? worlds. Boolean? <laughs> what they're called? What'd you say? Boolean? Yep, that's a Boolean. Bullion? Andy correctly identified a bullion. <laughs> that, that's what the, the Spanish said. Dick 36. And the Dutch and the Portuguese. It's what all conquerors say. I'm sure that's what you told that, that blue skin fellow I just saw before you brought him here to serve you. I think Deanna's uh, real superpower is... Uh... Patience. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Go, look, even like just. Uh, oh my God! Could you imagine an episode that was just Mark Twain and Luxana? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> just wall to wall talking. Mark Twain and Luxana uh, babysitting Alexander. They actually I be would, a pretty good couple. Uh, I would jump off a bridge. <laughs> she would. She would say little witticisms, and uh, he would go, "Hey, I was about to say that." Steal his witticisms. Get out of my head, woman. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Watch. <laughs> yeah. It was found in the cavern where Data's head was. <laughs> Which was like, my pistol. And then he started shooting every, like <laughs> holes in the ceiling. <laughs> 500 years. That's not likely to work either. Mr. Data, I fear I have sadly misjudged you, <laughs> as I have misjudged many things. 
I mean, you put a lot together, Mark Twain. I wouldn't really hold yourself that accountable. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. And <laughs> us, you kill us. We cannot allow that. I need your energy. But perhaps we can find a substitute. Uh-uh. There is none. I didn't notice that. Have you tried uh, perhaps Romulan? <laughs> Ferengi? <laughs> <laughs> Takes a dark turn. The bad Klingons? <laughs> the Borg? No. How Nobody's going to miss the Packlands. <laughs> Your weapons will only amplify the time distortion. You will annihilate your own world. I do like <laughs> the Picard. Go ahead. I just think it's funny. Like she's like she she like really takes the solace in that. Uh, you'll annihilate <laughs> your own world. Yeah, Kill, uh, killing my entire species. <laughs> <laughs> Classic evil exit. Um, yeah, I do like that Picard. Even with these freaking weird aliens that have been sucking, killing people and sucking energy out of their out of people's heads, he's like, maybe we could help you and find a substitute. <laughs> he's really a decent person. He really is. I can't give the alien any more time. Will, I haven't been able to determine if our phaser energy can generate a stable field. The risk would be... I'll take that risk, sir. <laughs> so mad. Permission to speak frankly. Worf out of nowhere here really sees an opportunity to fire photon torpedoes. Go ahead. <laughs> Our priority is to stop the aliens from any more incursions to Earth. Any delay is unacceptable. If I can save Captain Picard, I consider that very acceptable. The captain would not. He knows he's right. What's up? He knows he's right. Yep. We target photon torpedoes on the alien habitat and destroy it immediately. He's right, Will. That's a first. Power up the photons, Mr. Worf. Already powered. (laughs) (laughs) I can fire them from here. I already set it up. Also, since when do we have to power up photon torpedoes? (laughs) Just load them up. Power them up. Get them all set. All I got to do is hit this thing. Write a note on it, like uh, when we used to bomb the Nazis. Write, uh, (laughs) Happy Easter. (laughs) Data? This ought to do it. I don't get it. I don't understand why this isn't working. Computer... I love you. (laughs) (laughs) He finds the iron filing. And then he's like, how'd this get here? And then (laughs) for some reason, here we go. Picard picks up Data's head, opens the port. and starts tapping on it. Here's the other time convenient. I don't love when established technology uh, functions very differently in a story. Not like, not like, why didn't they use the tractor beam to get out of this situation? But like, all of a sudden, you're telling me that it will take a full minute for Worf to program the torpedoes? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> 
manner. I have set the photons to fire in staggered rounds, detonating in 10-second intervals. Very well, fire when ready. The sequence will be ready to initiate in one minute. <laughs> I think they're both... The subtext is they're both sort of bullshitting and like, yes, we must do it immediately, but let's just pretend there's other things we got to do. I, uh, whatever. Uh, First, I have to figure out how to stagger them. Then... We have to wait for them to warm up. Torpedoes. Phasing. Alien. This is very best of both worlds, but much worse. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, down to, like, I, we can't risk Captain Picard, uh, we, but, like, Will, you know you have to fire, you kill the Borg, uh, you, you gotta risk it, uh, sorry, but you gotta, okay. Yeah. Uh, down to the science lab, which is where they had P- Picard. That's true. P- Picard comes to and says, sleep data. And Correct. data figures out, like, oh, we should put them this. I've decided that we should do this. Right. Uh, all very similar pl- plot beats. I am processing a binary message entered into my static memory by Captain Picard. Jordy, are we planning to fire on the alien habitat? So... Yeah. My explanation for why Picard knows how to do that is when he was defending Data in Measure of a Man, he did mm-hmm. extensive studying of Data's schematics. Interesting. And I think that in the studying of Data's schematics and of Data, uh, probably in there in some form or another, some of the research Nudian Sung was available and he talked about a static message being able to be programmed in while while the android is off. Right. So that's my explanation. And yes, I've done a backflip to get there, but here we are. No, I buy it. <laughs> yeah, but it is imperative that we do not. I will explain later. You can explain now. The Force Riker, <laughs> hold your fire. They're about to fire. They're in that one minute. <laughs> they're about to fire. I, uh, well, we've still got like 12 seconds before this thing's ready to go, Jordy. You had plenty of time. <laughs> concerned about the phase differential of our photon torpedoes, that firing them might produce He also t- took the time to put on his uh, uniform before he went up to explain. <laughs> and how can Very we destroy true. their habitat? If I am correct, we must modify our weapons so that the force of the explosion... I like this shot. You never see this angle. It's true. Is re-phased so it's a nice tracking shot. Continuum. I guess it's more of a, a zoom back. If we outfit the photons with phase discriminator, that's a pull-out, pal. Pull-out. We could get the variants we need. How long will it take you? At least a couple of hours. Fine. I'll have time to go get him. Sir? I'm going back to the 19th century to get the captain. Doctor? My analysis of the phasers suggests you'd be able to open the rift, but it won't be stable enough to transport more than one person. Okay, get me an engineer. Why did I have you analyze, <laughs> do the analysis on the phasers? <laughs> you mean if I go back, only one of us could return? That's right. And I have the perfect solution for you. Why are you I'm on the bridge? I'm the one who should return to the 19th century and remain there so your captain can return here. There's a risk. We're not sure how stable the rift will be. Uh, there's risk in everything. The point is, it's the right choice. I've got more books to write. Ah! And your captain has a job to do here. Ah! Jordy, you'll brief him on what he needs to know. Do you find it Aye, interesting sir? that Beverly seems to be the one that knows what to do with the transporters? Doesn't that seem like that would be a Jordy thing? Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. 
Like, yeah. why have her do the analysis of the phasers? Like, you could just, I mean, I guess in a situation where Data's out of commission, it goes to the next head of a science division when really it should just be like, talk to Reg or some, like, another engineer. Right. I do like that it put, somehow it put him down in the middle of town, so we had to run there with the snake cane. <laughs> <laughs> Commander LaForge has just completed the reconfiguration of the photon torpedoes. Wait, I thought you were doing that. No, no, this was a phase thing. We had to change the phase. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Worf, what do you know how to do? And he pulls a phaser out from under the horseshoe. <laughs> I know how to do this. <laughs> choo, choo. Pew, pew. Worf's, Worf's very confrontational. Clemens got back. The captain should have been here by now. We have no way of knowing if Mr. Clemens was successful. Re-establish your firing pattern, Mr. Worf. We'll wait five more minutes. Aye, sir. There's no time for chit-chat, sir. Uh, according to Mr. LaForge, who, who did get your message, by the way, a frequency setting of uh, 0.047 on your phaser will correctly activate this, this creature. Now you have to get help. Gaina needs medical attention. I promise you she will be attended to. And there is a bill to be settled at Mrs. Carmichael's boarding house. I'll settle it. Yeah, see that, Andy? Mm-hmm. He settled the bill. Thank you. Real nice. I wish... I wish time would have allowed me to know you better. Well, you just have to read my books. What I am is pretty much there. <laughs> I want you to have this snake cake. <laughs> Wait, no, you need that to get back <laughs> to the future. <laughs> No, no, please, it's my gift to you. <laughs> Captain, you're not understanding! <laughs> no sign of temporal distortion? No, sir. But trialic activity is increasing. The aliens. Mr. Warp, are the photons ready? Yes, sir. Fire. <laughs> Torpedoes away, sir. Finally! Sir. I'm detecting the temporal distortion yes. on the surface. And human life signs. It has indeed, Commander. I, I, love, Brian, get him out of I love this, like, Chief O'Brien reference without having signs. to see him. Yeah. Whoa. So, Brian, get him out of there. Haven't they already fired the torpedoes? They had, they have fired them, yeah, but they're staggered rounds. So it's like some have hit, and then we're waiting for yeah, others. Yeah, maybe to hit, like or? one hit. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Seems like a long time, but whatever. <laughs> we have destroyed the target. There is no further indication of trial-like activity. Ensign laying a course for the nearest starbase, warp six. I need a break. I gotta get off the ship. I'm so angry here. <laughs> Give me the starbase. Zero zero one point three. Everyone who should be in the 19th century is safely there, and those who should be in the 24th are here. Mr. Data has been restored to us, head and all, and Samuel Clemens will write the books he was to have written after our encounter. Now be careful, boys. Don't jostle her too much. Don't worry, Madam Guinan. You're going to be fine. Even though you're an alien and probably have very different medical needs... 
He leaves the watch behind. So nice. And the head of data. We did it, everyone. <laughs> Great if he took the head of data. Uh, so, with that, it is time for us to discuss who might be the MVC. Let's do it. Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. It's a Captain tough one. Picard? Yeah, is it Picard? He does put it the message. It might be Beverly. Beverly's the one who alerts them that the alien doctor is there. Right. <laughs> she, she does the shit up, at the but, end. But the immediate, uh, the immediate uh, problem then becomes, uh-huh. oh, if we do this, then the uh, this might destroy the Earth. And it's and it's Picard who finds that out and programs uh-huh. the message into Data. Right. Yeah, I would say it probably is Picard. I would say it's Picard as well. All right, so Captain you Picard, you're starting off season six as the leader in the MVCs. No surprise. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk, but the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? <laughs> you all, I wish you all could see Andy's face over the Zoom chat. <laughs> He's the most confused I've ever seen him. I don't know. It's like, you know, I love them going back to the past. I love them in the outfits. I uh, I love this, the weird snakehead. It's a lot of time on Mark Twain, and he kind of ran out of most of his delightfulness in the previous episode, in my opinion. Yeah. I like the Guinan-Picard stuff, but it doesn't kind of culminate in anything. And I don't know that I love the the journey to the past stuff like it's cute to see the the theater kind of comedy i just wish there was sort of more it was more interactions and more of yeah, them it, it, sort it, of it, bouncing off the past in some way they got i think they got to the past too late in the two-parter yeah they didn't, they didn't get there until the very end of part one I think they were probably staggering it so that they could make it two episodes. You kind of could have done this in one episode. I understand why it's a big, you know, budgetary thing. Maybe. Um, But as far as like cliffhanger, season opener, season closer, I I would, I I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. It is a little, there is some whimsy to it, which I like. Yeah. Uh, Most of the whimsy is Mark Twain. But I feel like it's a honestly as an episode, it's like a three. But the whimsy can bring it up, I think, to a five. I give it a four. Wow, aggressive. Sorry. So far, season six, not off to a good start in the Andes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I think uh, I get the last episode more. <laughs> I think. I think uh, that does it. Really. Uh, Wait, what are you giving it? I, I I went to a five. You said a four. You got a five. Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah. I had to give it a five. This is Time's Arrow Part 2. I mean, I can't give it a... I mean, <laughs> come on. You just can't watch Time's Arrow and then not watch Time's Arrow Part 2. I'm not saying that. Time's Arrow Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you got to get the trailer, huh? Uh, Realm of Fear. I love the upcoming episode. I really enjoy Realm of Fear. It's probably one of my most re-watched, put it on, fall asleep to it episodes. Oh, really? Uh, I'm all, whoops, I'm all set. You're all set. I'm going to hit play. Andy's going to observe the trailer to Realm of Fear. Here we go. Andy, hang on. You're ready to hit play. Hit play in three, two, one, play. What happens when transporting through space becomes your worst fear? Why have you kept it a secret? Because my career in Starfleet would be over. Terror twists the mind and creates bizarre hallucinations. Did you see something during transport? Either there's something in there or I'm going crazy. Let me get this straight. You think this thing was alive? Now the time has come to cross the threshold of no return and face a personal nightmare. We need to bring him back. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. That trailer is 800 times darker than the episode is. Oh, really? Yes. It's very promising. That is very dark. Oh, my God. That is like the most, so far, that's the most opposite trailer I've seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, there was one episode, remember, that uh, was like very action, like the episode, I forget what it was, but they like put like, they top loaded the action in the episode and all of the action was in the trailer and then the episode was so boring. <laughs> I don't remember which. Uh, was it yeah. the the one where on the planet where there's the sales robot that's selling weapons? Oh God, that's that's a wasn't that wasn't that like Farpoint? Season one. No, it was right up near the first episodes though, yeah. somewhere in there. Uh, so Andy, that does it right now. Okay, everybody, it's time to read the patrons, Andy. Yes. Uh, I believe we have some circumstances here where you have to head down to engineering. That's right. And take a look at the port plasma relay. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, I don't think Jordy understands how little I know about the port plasma re- relay. Well, so, I mean, I, look, I think that Barclays, Barclays is Barclays, freaking out about something. Barclays not happy about yeah. the way that the uh, laundry processor uh, stiffened his shirts. Yep. Uh, Data's busy, obviously, on the bridge. And sure. uh, really, they went down the line, and you're the only uh, active-duty uh, person who uh, took one engineering class. I, I really... I think he's going to be very annoyed with me. I mean, you, you've you seen Jordy annoyed. And, oh, have uh, I ever. It's weird also that they let us just stay in this hallway for hours at a time, just bothering everyone. I feel everyone like we are, uh, we're a mistake of the computer that has <laughs> they've overlooked uh, assigning us to something more essential on the, on the ship. I feel like we should not have been assigned to the flagship of the Federation. I know what no, my grades were. Uh, but look, you're going to go check out the port plasma relays. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank all of the presidents individually. Uh, yeah. And uh, hey, th- I'm going to give you guys a thanks right now. Uh, I appreciate you more <laughs> than Jordy is going to appreciate me. I appreciate you for helping with that port plasma relay. Uh, please don't blow up the ship, Andy. See you guys. Bye. All right, everybody. Since Andy's off to engineering, I guess we should head over to the president's circle so I can say a big thank you to all of the patrons. Let's go. The United Federation of 
Wow, it is busy in here today. Hi, everyone. Yes, hi, hi. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Andy could not make it. He has been called to another assignment over in engineering, which does not bode well for the ship. But I'm here to say a big ol' thank you to all of you. That's pretty good, right? Hmm, okay. No one seems that impressed. But, what are you saying? Oh, you want some music? Uh, alright, let's see. What was number one this week? I don't even remember. So, since Andy's gone, I'll just play whatever music I feel like playing. So, uh... <laughs> Billy Strings it is. He's real good. I don't know if you know him, but... Oh, there he is, guys. Oh, I love it. All right. Thank you, Billy Strings. You stay uh, right there in the background, and I will say thank you to Anthony Deacon, Amber Schmidt, Chris Dybel, Anders Peterson, uh, Christopher Nagy, Adrian Bing Clark, Sir Reginald Pennybottom, Duncan Delp, Jet Jurgens, Derek Atkinson, Ian Buckley, C.R. Jeremy, Matt and Andy's best friend, Ben Weddle. Uh, Andre Bayou. He Heath Korgenshin. I'm sorry. Korshkin. Heath Korshkin. Welcome, Heath. You're new to the, you're new to the president circle. Uh, Nick Capitillo. Emil Snecker. John Verstig. 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 It's pronounced like first egg. Except with a V, so that's verse egg. There you go, John. Gregory Durain, Stephen Duncan, Finn Upham, Jarrett Sean Campbell, Daniel Heron, Adam Ware, Krivet, Kevin Johnstone, Matt Layden, Roberta Cat, thank you, Kyler Jungit, James Patton, and the Cham Chamberlain, Kevin Cortecas. I, Matt, declare Kevin Storer to be the undisputed president. Oh, my God. He tricked me. David Landau, Sean Daly, Kyle Robertson, thank you, M.W., Sean Cameron, Andy Benton, Heather, Zachariah Seville, Jay Clark, J.C. Shaggy, Alex Mitchell, Darmok on the ocean, thank you, Paul Neal, thank you, Patrick Reese, Movie Skink, Titus James, Tim F., James Hamilton, Laura Furson, Jeffrey D. Hansen, Jonah Brulette, David K., Jonathan Feller, Peter Ballard, Nick Lenchner, Philip Kutlas, Frank the Cat, Power to the Meeple, Christopher Friend, thank you, David Veenstra, thank you, Scott Gokey, thank you, Jeremy Dudley, all caps, Jeremy. Nicely done. Robert Myers, Brian Pierce, John King, Paul Rabinowitz, Wabash Kozak, Tom Weller, no relation to RoboCop. Thank you for clearing that up, Tom. Jason, thank you. Alex Kubrick, Tom Bondrant, Kelly Sweeney, Eric Rumfelt, Joey Gee, Michael Rossi, David Pinson, Stee Stephanie Dyerson. Dyerson? Dyer yes, that's exactly right. Derek Knighton, Jonathan Bruno, Kay Brooks. Thank you, Billy Strings. That was delightful. You got anything else for us? Oh, you want to bring out Marcus King and you're going to play another song? That sounds fun. Thanks for entertaining us. Uh, Jonathan Bruno, Kay Brooks, Carrick Jones, Everett Burgess, Jordan Bulges, Luke Morgan Rowe, Pete Parker Davidson. Zach McCullough, Tanner Wilson, 
Noah Zoudstret, Brandon Catanelli, John Zate, Brett LeBlond, Sean Lyons, Josh Moore, Brian Harkins, Andrew Warmer, Woomer, that's how you say that, Carolyn McNamara, James McLaughlin, Samuel Birdsis of Praises Child, Christopher the Imperfect Mate Bateman, that's pretty funny, Christopher. Doug Anderson, Chris Allen, Hayden, Edward O'Hare, thank you. Cam Rocky, thank you. Nate Hudson, Eric Carlson, Sandal Tremel, uh, Jillian Little, Philly G, Rose Harless, Adam and JP, Veronica Wisely, Kevin Polly, Ben Sautel, Patrick Hellis, Hells? Heels, Hells, eh, Stephanie Simons, Patrick, thank you, by the way. Stephanie, thank you. Kenny Meehan, Matt Fader, Theodore Zedazello, hiss. Jacob, I'm not hissing at you. That's the next person, Theodore. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Gosfield, David Joseph Moody. Ooh, it's newly summer, guys, so Billy Strings is kicking it. Oh, man, what's he playing in 1932? OM18? Oh, that's an OM28. Shit, herringbone, too. Uh, Hampus Theander, Trevor Kozdrowski, Sam Pass, Michael John, James Manero, Chris Yates, Brett Parsons, Christopher Mitz, Jeremy Miller, Paul Magnus Calabaro. Hang on. He wrote it all phonetically here. I'm pulling it, pulling it Andy here. Ready, right? Right. Paul Magnus Calab- Calabro. Just hang on. I'll do it one more time. Paul Magnus Calabro. Thank you. Adam Sullness. Sullins, Adam Sullins, Colm Hayes, Daniel Fashing, Debbie Lemon, Joseph Parker, Mark Isari, Mark Isari, thank you, Dylan Ekmalian, Patrick, Matthew Dunn, Stephen Haas, Bob Blair, Catherine Gartner, Ryan Hansen, Andrew the Last, Andrew Wyman. Oh, only went in alphabetical order, my friend. Not today. I have mixed it up. David, Rebecca Shavita. Ren Hart, Michael Collins, Brian Deemer, Matthew M. Columbus, Nelson Helwig, Janella Robbins, Amy Pointer, Joe Lenzen, Sante Mastrania, uh, Kevin32, Jeff, Kazama- uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Karamaza, Amy Gibbs, thank you, Chuck Credo, thank you, Anthony Wardinger, thank you, Philip. Teddy, Teddy. I don't know why I wrote. Uh, why did I say it like that? Teddy Jordan, James Tuttle. Are you any relation to Molly Tuttle? She's a fantastic guitar player too. Jay Wheeler, Juan Morales, Alex Edson, Michael Shade, Chad N. Yarborough, Brian Stromitz, Matthew Cutler, Jiminy Jillikers, uh, Feldybum. Thank you, John Brig, Danny Tucker, Cedron Law, Ed Mundy. Uh, L. Chapeline, Colorado. Rhymes the Trampoline. Chapeline. I got it, I think. Neil Studd, thank you. Scott Burnett, thank you. Matthew Wright. Mickey Melton, Elizabeth Brandt. Winston Stauffer, Leon Kassib. Dan Hornberger. Matthew Dodge. Van Fallen. And double N there. Uh, Richard Craig, thank you. Cody Wombenkamp, thank you. Pat E. Thanks, Grant, McGuire, Daniel Permit, Captain Slog, Jonathan Anderson, Lee Chapman, Todd Meyer, Richard Jackson, Frederick Ballou, Nick G, Jason Keisler, Jay, Amanda Murphy, Will Davis, Lucas Bishop, Beth Clark, Tyson Klein, Julie E, 
Scott Landless, Greg Lada, the great and terrible Lizak, Lisa Simpson, Colin McKeon, Jeffrey Barker, Vanilla Thunder, Roberto, Gwethelyn, Gwethelyn Williams, Matthew Dillon, Jerome Hammerschmidt, assistant to the regional president, Ray Ching Peng. Thank you so much for assisting the regional president. John G., Lucas Swain, Archer uh, Mercer, Jay from ScienceDiv.com. That's the Tribble people. Thanks, Jay, so much for supporting us still. Uh, we got more Billy Strings and Marcus King over here. Boy, oh boy. I'm actually delighted by this music in the background. Thank God Andy's not here to hear it. He'd be like, what are you doing? Uh... Where was I? <laughs> Lorraine Denman, Rob, Michelle Fairbanks, Philip Gerst, uh, Richard Phillips. Whoa, I just made the thing go wild. This page went crazy, guys. Not doing a good job here. Richard Phillips, uh, Lauren Gleason, the Donkey of Prey, Dan Stoke, James Carrier, Jay, Jerry Canavan, Andrew McClure, JJ Carter, Thomas, Tish Wheeler, Raymond, uh, Jonathan Misner, Denise. Cooper Schmidt, Lady Charlie Whitmore, Tara Hunter, Chief Petty Officer Ernesto Castagna, Judge 439, Nick G. Williams, Foglegs, Commodore, Ice Bank Mice Elf, I see what you did there, Andy Puckett, Trenton Hoyt, Darren Gleaton, thank you, Andrew, Andres Acevedo, thank, sorry, Edward Andres Acevedo, what did I read that for? Uh, Mark Redness, Lance Daniel Hepper, Steve Thomas, thank you. Stephen White, thank you. Kieran O'Sullivan, big old thank you. Ryan Heck, Jerry Brown, the co- the owner of the of the of the of the of the of the. No, that's Jerry Jones. I was thinking of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Kathleen Guzman, Joel Greenbow, Kellen Adamson, Anthony Trepiccione. Rutger Hauer, the Rutger Hauer, still here. Tim Shields, Mandy Fitzgerald, Andrew Polkrang, Marie Capasso, John Lynn, Caveart on Facebook and Instagram. That's with a K, everybody. The Dude Never Bowls, Fifty Shades of Earl Grey, Zach Crum, Eric Eric Vanover, a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Thank you, Joe Moore, Tim Collins, Thomas Nettleton, Glenn Wakeley, Brian Rowinkle. Frederick Rombouts, Daryl the Animal Noy, Kately M, Catherine, Jeff the Human, and Maximus the Dog, thank you. Wesley Crushing Dadass, thank you. Uh, Cassia, Jesse Elliott, Nick, Dan Billing, Jonathan Sourshell, Jennifer Leader, Judith Hayes, Cody Stanley, Stephen Coder, and David Marquez, thank you. Kip Cober, Jack Cavici, Jeffrey Child, Rob Baptiste, Matthew L. Went, Robert Denton, and Dim, thank you. Catherine Novacek, John Turin, Alex D. Gesslin, Joyce Hudson, Carmen DeHoog, Erica, Eric B., Stephen McVicker, Aaron, William Temin, and Adrian Carter, thank you. Marcus Eraldson, Barry Wallace, Galactic President Andrew Reeves. So this is the president of the entire galaxy and not just the Federation of Planets? This is wild. Kendra Song, Robin Sabin, Matt Schaefer, Jeff Millies, thank you. President Prester Foster, what Preston Foster? What a what a what a weird first name to have president right there. Uh, Risa Kotchuk, uh, Simon Harper, Linda Dilbeck, thank you for writing it phonetically, Risa. Uh, 
Ryan Solo, Daniel Senred, Trek Barnes, Full Trucker Effect, Matt Wipert. Wow, that is lovely. Doug Mai, Chris DeQ. Uh, so I guess it's Chris DQ. There you go. DQ but fancy. He always writes that next there. And I, Michael, <laughs> Marcello Vita, The Tonester, Joe Sullivan, Jeff Jenkins, Benny Hill, Peter Sheeran, Miriam, Con- C- Miriam Centeno, I'm going to guess. Heather Nelson, CD, Seth J. Boudreaux, Jesse Tushinsky. Jesse, how are you, buddy? Jesse and I work at the Apple Store, the Genius Bar at the uh, at the Grove in Los Angeles. And boy, did we have some good times. And quite frankly, we both drank way too much back then. Aaron N., Joe Moran, a.k.a. Muscle Ripley. Mike, Mr. Bundy, Brandon Callinger, Nathan Haney, Alex Carrico, Andrew Michael, Barber the First, Jason Brown, Chuck Day, Tackle New, Kashmir Woods, Darren Deshaun, Gary Martinez, Jesse Gillespie. I'm sorry, Gillespie, Jesse. Thank you so much for supporting us. Cece Sadler, Tim Siebel. Uh, we're going to say a big thank you to the following. Again, it's Steve, uh, uh, Stefan. I'm going to go Stefan Herman. Kyle Thompson, Gareth Case, Jesse Hendricks, Derek Hawkins, Alec Borsier, Alec, oh, sorry, <laughs> Alexis Borsier. Claire Powells, Eric Mon, Rob Trevino, no, that's the bees. Uh, Christopher P. Gill, Kristen Scalisi, the goddess of carbs. Adam Hotz, thank you. Amanda Bootwell, thank you. Adam Rogers, Ferran, uh, Ferran Gezerjus, thank you. Uh, Dan McLeod, Matuween, Keith Bodela, Bodela, Keith Bodela, Bodela. Well, we'll figure it out. Dak Pate, Kim Vilsack, Katie Campbell, Fred Coppersmith, Ryan, not a Doctor Doom. Catface, thank you. Oh, that was some good music over there. Thanks so much to the uh, good folks at Carter's Vintage for putting that online and letting me hear it and letting all of you hear it. Uh, Emily Eldred, Ross McCloud, Watch Blade Runner, a movie starring... Oh, I threw it out of order. Rutger Hauer. <laughs> uh, Hubert Arudia, Brandon Davis, Paul Brisk, Jillian Randles, Brett Jarrett, Sean... Robert Olson, thank you. Andy should be giving Paul Brisk, Lieutenant Commander. He should be saying all this, but he's not here. He's busy uh, rerouting the main power through the secondary coupling or something. Uh, the Kembles, Andrew Witzel, Lieutenant Commander Mike Mann. I can remember some of it. Derek Westover, Lissy D, Anthony Ride Out. Ride it out with Anthony D. Let's all be Anthony R. Ride it out with Anthony R. That should be the name of your podcast, Anthony. Uh, Richard Davis, Will Holesclaw, Jeff Mullins. Uh, I believe, Jeff, you're a lieutenant commander as well. Uh, Tyler Rosewood, Joe Fermanek, Jason Zeclair, Hooten Waddle, Lisa Gomez, Stevie Marie Nickel, Elena, Alan L., Scouter Echo of the 5th Kitchener Beavers Colony. That I don't know. Andy, is that a reference I don't get? Too bad. You're busy in engineering. Mark Mitchell, Stephen Harcourt, Katie Whitestone, Paul Sharp, uh, Catherine Shimmons, Christopher Colbert, Dan Costellic, Andrew Ingram, Chad Fate, thank you. Jason Warren, thank you. Daniel Perez, thank you. Matt Brick, thank you. Kevin Brown, Ben Roach, William Smith, Mike Webster, Thomas Peering, Shrikadar, Brian Adams, Paul Carley, and Kelly Coe, thank you. Elizabeth Simpson, Claudia, Brian Hellman, Karen Vanoff, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray. I didn't know we had a chief tactical officer, but glad to know you, Troy. Thanks so much for supporting the show. Mike Jones, Rachel Dylan Snyder, Brett Euler, Amy Giles, Stephen Price, Stephen Small, Julie Phillips, Sandra M., Mike Gaylord, Ron LeBlanc, 
Tom Kelsel, James Baker, Laura McCarriner. Uh, hang on. Let me just... She beautifully wrote this out. McCarriker. Oh, there we go. Ready? Lauren McCarriker. I did it. Frederick Roa, Jonathan Wentz, Martin Hedigard Peterson, Jen Leppert, Cosmo Moore, Lisa, Carolyn Land, Whiskey Ben 77, Chris Nedgwitz, Captain Crandall. <laughs> what? Captain Crandall, where have you been? What is going on? You're introduced and then never talked about it again. Uh, Linnea. Linnea Wynn. Oh, that's a really cool way to spell that name, Linnea. Thank you so much. JD Cohen. Brian McLeod, Chris Love, Tim Cullen, thank you. Tony King, thank you. Scott Lieberman, Alexander Perry, thank you. Diana M. Martin, thank you. Robin Larson, Katya Woolishan, Kelly Newman, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison. Thank you for keeping that Facebook facey. And a big thank you to the Hollow DJ for providing what I believe was a beautiful ambience. Let's head back out into the hall and see if we can track down Andy. Andy, I'm back. Disengage. Oh. <laughs> what blew up down there? <laughs> um, I, nothing. Don't worry about it. Everything's all right. fine. All right. I mean, you said disengage. It's all been contained. The transport is not even working. You said disengage, and nothing happened. <laughs> Look, the important thing is that uh, we're all friends on this ship. Damage report. Casualty reports coming in from all over the ship. Starboard nacelle sustained a direct impact, venting dry plasma. Initiating emergency core shutdown. Inertial dampers failing. We're losing attitude control. This is the bridge. All hands to emergency escape pods. The core shutdown was unsuccessful. We are losing antimatter containment. We've got to eject the engine. And, uh... Ejection <laughs> systems are offline. <laughs> oh, okay. Is imminent. Everything's this fine. Is okay, this is Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.